Hi, this is Caleb Stokes, and you're listening to Microphones and Madness. Hey, everybody. Saturday night, Microphones Madness. Uh, it is August the 13th, 2016. I'm Rodney. There's Steve. Whoop, whoop. And Kim and her cat that won't leave her alone. Yes. My cat, the butt face. All right, so sad news in geekdom today. Kenny Baker, the actor famous for portraying the almighty R2-D2, has died. And Willa. No, that was Warwick Davis. Was that? Oh, sorry. So may the force be with you, R2. Yes. You were the best sidekick. R2-D2 was not the sidekick. R2-D2 was the hero of the whole damn series. <laughs> well, that is debatable. Um, so, yeah, tonight we are going back to the classics, continuing our discussions of sword and sorcery. Uh, we are going to be talking about Red Nails, Conan the Barbarian, written by... The nigh-legendary Robert E. Howard. Nigh-legendary. <laughs> nigh-legendary. Now, okay, Kim, you weren't very familiar with Conan before this, were you? No. Um, I had heard of him, obviously, but all I've ever really seen of him was the Arnold movies. I had never Arnold. read any of the stories. Well, now you have... Yes, the Governor. The Wizard of Steel. Yeah. Who blew now, my cover? No. Now, now, Steve, on the other hand, on the flip side of this table, Steve is is a big Robert E. Howard fan. And openly disdainful of the Conan movies. Yes. Now, would, you, would it be fair to say that uh, Arnold's Conan is DeCamp's Conan? Yeah. It would be fair. The the decamp comics even more more diluted than that. Yeah, He's I mean Arnold's watered down generic sword and sorcery hero Conan. Mm-hmm. He's a meathead with a sword. Meathead. Now, would it would it would it would also be a fair assessment to say that? If Arnold is the camp's Conan, then uh, would Jason Momoa Jason Momoa be closer to Howard's Conan? Uh, yes, definitely more more closer. I wouldn't say it was spot on, but yeah. But that might act. A lot of that might be just in the writing of that movie, as opposed to the portrayal. Arnold mm-hmm. is way too white. <laughs> yeah, Arnold Arnold is a bit uh, pasty to be Conan. He's not bronzed. Like a statue. Now, something occurred to me earlier uh, that Howard was into bodybuilding, wasn't he? Boxing. Weightlifting and boxing. boxing. I know he was into boxing. boxing. I know he was into boxing. I know he was into swords. Stuff like that. But... 
Thews. Thews. So uh, we'll start with Kim. What did you think being your first exposure to the Conan stories? For being what it is, I liked it. I mean, I, I had to swallow a bunch of racism and some sexism and dated stuff. But if you got past that, yeah, it was it was all right. And I, I could see this being the cornerstone of sword and sorcery. I mean, you had all the elements. You had the evil priestess. You had the crazy shooter girl, who's obviously Valeria. And you had uh, the guy gets the girl in the end. You know. Yeah. We're, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll talk about. Uh, oh, spoiler! Sorry. Conan's uh, way with the ladies. Why is my phone ringing? It's Conan. It's it's Robert Howard. Oh no! It's, it's Arnold. It's Arnold. It's Arnold. Says, what are you saying about me? What do you mean? I'm a watered down Conan. <laughs> Uh, cease and desist order from Dark Horse Comics. Yep. Oh shit, they're coming for all of us now. My phone is shaped like a hamburger, so if I pick it up, it answers. So I just have to ignore it. Mm. Um. So yeah, what do you think, Steve? I mean, I know you've read Red Nails. Of Red Nails. Quite a few times. I think Red Nails is one of the finest stories that Robert E. Howard has written. Um, yes, there are issues with um, his portrayal of women, his portrayal of everybody that isn't Conan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to be fair, you're not really reading these for scintillating characterizations. And uh, yeah, you're you're reading this for action, adventure, Mm -hmm. and there is... Plenty of it. Now, when, when was this written exactly? 1935. Okay, yeah, yeah. that explains a few things. Uh, it was the the last Conan story that uh, Robert Howard wrote before his suicide. Yes, and there's some interesting things that are parallels between what goes on in this story and what was going on in uh, Howard's life at the time. So maybe we should run down a bit of the synopsis of the story. Okay. And we can talk a little bit about um, maybe where he was coming from when he wrote it and some of the internal problems that or, the story has. Or we'll do like we always do, make fun of him and, and, and insert those biographical details as they arise. Sure. We can do okay. That. <laughs> so the, the story itself starts off with this young lady, uh, Valeria. Uh, he actually made it into the, the Schwarzenegger movie. That was the woman's name, and that was Valeria. Yep. And the uh, first Schwarzenegger or the second? First. The first? The blonde. Ah. Who wants to live forever? Or do you want to live forever? Right. Oh, the, yeah. Duh. The character, the character not, portrayed is the love of Conan's life. Not that I haven't seen the movie a few right. times. <laughs> what is best in life? Um, yeah, so yes. Valeria, we, we start with Valeria riding in, you know, into this forest and stopping her very tired horse at a 
at a pool to have a drink of water. Um, the horse is very tired because, according to the map, she ran at least three inches. Yep. To, <laughs> to, to <laughs> they're very small horses. In, in it's very tiny. Um, they're the Stygian breed. And, and we get Howard's description of Valeria, which essentially boils down to she's strong, but she's fucking hot. Yeah. Yep. Um, pasty white, blonde. Yeah, pasty white, blonde. Um, like a brick shit Big house. busted. And a busty, curvy, with narrow which shoulders. Of, which kind of tells you about his personal taste in women, I suppose. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I suppose. I guess Valeria, you know, I mean, I, I guess in a lot of ways, you know, sword and sorcery particularly focuses a lot on idealized images of whatever. Well, not necessarily, not necessarily, you know, healthy images, but idealized. Well, also, and, and Robert E. Howard knew his audience, mm -hmm. and he knew what people wanted to read. Yes, a, and B, you got more money if your story was the picture of the cover on Weird Tales, mm -hmm. and the more salaciousness you can you can have in your story, the better chance you had of making that cover and getting the bonus. That's true. That's true. And he did write several sequences in this story specifically to get the cover. He actually did. If you read the draft that was that was included in uh, did anyone the, Conquering, the Conquering Sword of Conan, that was my son. Thank you. Um, there is medicine for that, but we can't afford it. Um, it's called rat poison. Oh! What do you mean you can't afford it? Wow. Yeah. And this suddenly went dark. <laughs> I have plenty of rat poison. I'll send you some. Um, so if you read this draft, a lot of those um, parts, the more salacious parts of the story, are actually not included in that draft. Mm -hmm. um, and they were later written in to help sell the story to Farnsworth. Right. And he, I remember he was also, he was also speaking to his girlfriend at the time and said that this yeah. was the goriest, sexiest Conan story he had ever written. Yes. And it was kind of like, in, in reading his, his letters, um, it seemed like Red Nails is like his penultimate Conan story. Well, it was the ultimate one because well, it was the last. Well, it was the last, but he also seems like in his own mind that this was the greatest Conan story he ever wrote. Right, and I think he might have uh, made it so that it, I think he knew it was going to be the last one. There were some issues with Weird Tales mm -hmm. and uh, receiving payments from them. His mother was really sick at the time. He needed money. Right, so and he, he was he was probably already planning his suicide at the time. Well, I think he was also moving on um, from Weird Tales just because right. and Conan. 
Yeah. He was, he was getting yeah. tired of he, he was, was getting, getting tired of it. Getting tired of the character. He was getting paid to write different things. Um, he might have been getting set to write a novel, but. Mm, I think he had been working. Well, if it was a novel, it was another another setting because he had already finished Hour of the Dragon, I think, or almost finished. Right, it. But like an, an an actual like novel, novel, not a serialized. Because all these longer, long-form Conan stories were all serialized. Right, including Red Nails. Yes, Red Nails was uh, broken up into seven parts or seven chapters, but I think it made three it issues. In the course of three issues, yeah. So, yeah. So we have Valeria in the clearing. Got her description. Uh, she goes, looking around her surroundings, she ends up climbing up this, this crag, uh, finds a, a skeleton, uh, wonders about the skeleton for a little bit, climbs up even higher, and sees the city off in the distance. Just walls and and spires. It's kind of... The city's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's just really odd. And she figures, well, maybe I'll just go there. Right. Because that's what you do. Because that's what you do. Sure. Lo and behold, Conan... Like a jungle cat appears. He just basically, yeah. That's a very that's friendly he just, jungle cat. A very friendly jungle cat. Borderline rapey mm. jungle cat. Mm. Hello, you know me. I am Conan. I've admired you. <laughs> I've admired you, Conan. See my fears. Sumerian for down to fuck. Admire my broad chest. Oh, and we do. Because then he goes into the description of Conan. And as salacious as the description of Valeria is, Howard's depictions of Conan are equally so. Yes. They are. <laughs> uh, yes. Now, one thing that they, they mention, that he mentions in passing, is he goes through great lengths to describe what Valeria is wearing. In passing, he mentions... The message board says, uh, I need to listen to this more often. <laughs> Borderline rapey jungle cat, yeah. Yes, you do, Nick. That's right. <laughs> Borderline rapey jungle cat. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, go on. So in passing, in passing, Howard mentions that uh, Conan is wearing the exact same thing that she's wearing. Different belt. Different belt. That's the only thing that's different. Well, and it's funny because often in many Conan stories, mm -hmm. he's actually wearing clothes. Right. He Not wears clothes. The, the image you have of the man in a diaper and right. a sword is not <laughs> part of the Howard canon, really. Right. I mean, he dresses the part of what he has to be. Mm-hmm. I think he might have been semi-naked in Tower of the Element. Right. Possibly. But I might be... See, now, I've read a lot of these comics, and people like Buscema and Windsor Smith, who we'll get into, for some reason really like drawing Conan in a diaper. <laughs> right. Right. It, essentially, <laughs> essentially, yeah, Conan is generally depicted as uh, Leonidas from... 
right. three hundred. He wears a girdle and a clout, which is basically a diaper. Right, and that's that's it. Um, but in a lot of the Conan stories, he's dressed appropriately for the culture that he's in. Yes, when when King Conan leads a charge. He's dressed in chainmail. He's dressed a Proteus dresses King Conan with freaking armor. Right, uh, I believe the Frost Giant's daughter. They talk about the fact that he's wearing a chainmail. He better be because he's in the freaking north. It's freezing. Yeah. It, it gets me that that uh, I guess D and D must have like grasped onto this like idea of the naked barbarian. Because don't you get a huge penalty if you're a barbarian in D&D and you wear armor? Um, I think if you wear more than light armor, yeah. You, yeah. you end up, your dex penalty is shit. What the hell? So, there you go. Shame on you, Windsor Smith and Shema. Now, Conan appears. I mean, he just does, he doesn't ride in. He doesn't... She turns so around and there he is. She turns around and He's there's like glaring at her. Uh, Come here often. You, you come to find out that he was following her. Right. For nefarious reasons. Yes. But because he caught her eye, or she caught she his got, eye, right. and uh, he... He wanted to hook up. Right. Well, she killed a man who was trying to hook up with her. Right. And then that man's brother... Was chasing uh, her down. Was chasing her down. Conan thought he would do her a favor by killing this guy when, when from what we see of Valeria later on, and even, even in this sequence, Valeria can take care of herself. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite well. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why Valeria in, in the literature has such a reputation um, because of all the, the women in all the Conan stories mm-hmm. by Robert E. Howard. I'm not going anywhere else with this. There's two that stand out. One is Bellet, the, lead, the queen of the Black Coast, the pirate queen. Mm-hmm. The, lo- the, the Everyone says that's the love of Conan's life. Whatever. Um, and then there's Valeria. Another another reaver, another pirate. Right. But both of them can take care of themselves. So Usually. I don't know if I would say Well, I would say that's about as strong as you're gonna get in a Robert E. Howard <laughs> uh, story. Right. And Unless it kinda made me think that maybe this was his his idea of feminism for the time. I think it was more his idea of what kind of woman would be worthy of Conan. Hmm, okay. I mean, it just Uh, struck me that it it starts out with the woman. It doesn't start out from the man's perspective at all. It starts out with the woman. Almost the entire story is from her perspective. Right. And that's what really struck me about this. Conan is almost a big player in his own tale. Right. Hmm. And there were a couple other stories that where he didn't appear at all. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, Conan was a bit of a bit player in this. He was 
he, he really was just kind of there because this story is all about Valeria and, right. and, and, and this particular adventure. Conan just happens to tag along. Um, yeah, and Conan really doesn't do a whole lot in this story, does he? Not really. I mean, yeah, he kills some people, he, but he's mostly fighting at her side. Mm-hmm. And we get we get this weird in the later chapters we get this weird uh, timey wimey thing, where he's like way ahead in the story, and then he actually in the next chapter jumps back and wow, retells that sequence of events from Valeria's point of view. Right. Yeah. Um, that confused me. Now, Conan is there to get his to get some love on, and. <laughs> They have a, a discussion that right, a discussion. is a discussion <laughs> that is downright comical, Harlots? especially, Hussies. especially, yeah, especially in 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 uh, comparison to the rest of the the tone of the story. It's almost like he added this chapter in later. It's Nick and Nora arguing. <laughs> Uh no, they're Nick and Nora are much more clever than than uh, Conan and Valeria. Sure. All right. But pretty much, yeah, they have this this argument about you know it's like uh, I want to get some. You're broke. You're you're broke. You're disgusting. Why do you think? <laughs> what are so good? Where are your men at the bottom of the sea? <laughs> yes, I'm the only survivor because I'm so good. Bless your soul, you hussy! But you get—it's funny because you get like this—it's—it's it's a litany of everything Conan has done. He's done everything. The right. only thing he hasn't done—wink, wink, nudge, nudge—is be a king in in Hyboria. Right. Which yeah. that <laughs> happens later. Well, the first story ever written, Phoenix on the Sword, is a King Conan story. Right. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, oh, yeah, well, he gets to be king too, ladies. <laughs> I know, I'm getting hot under the collar. <laughs> Especially when you think about his taut muscles under smooth bronze skin. Now, here, here's the thing. Now, there's, there's a lot of talk of the racism of H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. And whether or not you can tell from Lovecraft's writing whether he's racist or not. Because a lot of Lovecraft's racism is coded in um, his descriptions and in the events. Mm. Robert E. Howard lays it all out for you. He basically says, Oh, I followed you... Conan, I followed you all the way here because all that was over there were black women, and I don't like black women because they file their teeth and they have pierced ears. Right, okay. So, there, there's more of this in the story, but that's where it just, right out there, I don't like black women. Right. Which is, which is also unusual in that... Um, you know, Conan also, at, at the same time he says things like this, he's also this guy who travels the world and just blends into every culture he right. finds himself in oh, without, yeah, a, without an issue. I was a chief in the Black Lands. 
I have friends there. Mm -hmm. I have friends there. And it's like, okay, Robert E. Howard says, oh, I have, you know, Conan has friends in, in the Black Kingdoms. And you say, oh, yeah, like everybody that says that. But there's something about it when Conan says it that, you know, like, okay, he actually does have friends. Right. You know, these are his friends. <laughs> well, it's because kind of... It, it, you, now, you're from the South. You're actually from the South there, where mm -hmm. that, that kind of stuff happens. Right. This... Where you'll, you'll have, like, I had a landlord when I lived in St. Michael's who would go on about... Um, the colored's this and the colored's that, but Jeez. and and then in the on the same breath he'd say, oh, and then I talked to so and so, and he's cool, and right. he's talking about a black guy. He's cool right. though. So I think it's just like just it's so ingrained and and culturally accepted, right? That it's well, very it's very matter of fact. It's it, not it's, it's not subtle at all. As, grow, having grown up in the South, and you know, yeah, that's you're, you're you're conditioned that way. I mean, your parents do it, your grandparents do it, your aunts and uncles do it. Everywhere you go, this is this is how white people in certain parts of the South are. And and I think a lot of ways for for someone like Howard, it was the same thing. But Howard also traveled. Howard had interests in things outside of his little hole that he right. lived in and and I think it led to this kind of confusion where Howard writes these things that you know that it's his mentality it's what he's been conditioned to think about certain things but then he also has Conan which arguably is the idealized version of himself right who has this ultimate freedom and he travels everywhere. He absorbs every culture that he finds. He makes, you know, fast friends with varying peoples. And I think, in some ways, that's also who Howard wanted to be. You know, he wanted to be the guy that could just go anywhere and be comfortable anywhere because people are people, and right. you know, we all are after the same thing, which is, you know, blood, booze, and broads. But on the other hand, he was racist as shit. Right. Exactly. It's uh, it it, it comes up a lot in in Conan stories are weird about that because he's very concerned about the heritage and the race of the different people that are encountered. Like there's right. an exacting um, history of both of the, the uh, inhabitants of the city, the previous inhabitants and the current inhabitants, where they're mm -hmm. from, what, how dark their skin is, their, what their they look general, like, their general continents, and it's it's very vivid. Mm -hmm. And he wants you to know that Astygia is Stygian. Right. Not just it, a, a guy. Yeah, there are very strong nationalist identities in, in Hyboria. Yes. Even though each country is is effectively, there are very. I think Aquilonia might be the closest thing he has to a melting pot type of culture. I think Aquilonia was supposed to be Rome, like classical Rome. Uh, oh yeah, that would do it. That but you know, you're talking. You're also talking about a man who spent a lot of his life 
as a pirate, so he's used to these seaport cities where people from all over the place are going. Right. So it might be just a thing that, you know, this is what Codan's used to. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, you get that kind of little cognitive dissonance there. So Conan and Valeria are sitting there. They're having their argument about, you know, sexy time. <laughs> and, you know, Valeria, Valeria eventually just draws down on his ass. Yeah, they're going to fight. And, and Conan realizes it's not a fight he's going to win because mm -hmm. he doesn't have a sword on him. Or it's right. drawn. His sword isn't drawn, and hers is ready to go. Right, hers is ready to go. And he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to fight a woman with a sword. Right. He doesn't want to fight her with a sword. Plus, even if he does draw his sword, he knows it's going to be a fucking fight. Right, and she's got the drop on. Right, and she's got the drop on him, and he knows that she 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 is not a slouch. Now he, we're talking about the same guy who later on in the story does quick mental math and goes, there's 15 of them left, I can take them. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So you know she can hold her own. Right. If Conan, Conan, a guy who does wade into battles 1 versus 15 without, a, without you know, a second thought, you know, pauses... Then you know, you know yeah. what level of skill. I might be getting my ass kicked here. <laughs> right. No, but then again, consider the fact that I mean, they explicitly state later in the story that these city people, they're slouches. Yeah, but fifteen. So is there's 15. no question that he can take them. Oh, fifteen is fifteen. That's a lot of well, fuckers. Yeah, but fifteen people trying I mean, to stab you. But these are the guys who are going to hire him to protect them. Yeah, but I mean, that's numbers. Fifteen against one. I don't care who you are. I'll take those odds. Yeah. True, true. Um, so their uh, flirtation, as it were, because apparently this was all meant to be like a very titillating argument that, sh that it was supposed to end a certain way. Right. Um, got cock-blocked by a dragon. Got cock-blocked by yeah. a dragon who decided to eat their horses. Very loudly. Very loudly. So, you know, here we go. We have we have the classic beginning. I mean, this is the sword and sorcery version of the car breaks down by the creepy house. <laughs> <laughs> A dragon comes and eats your horses. <laughs> and they real they get down there they get down there to investigate. What's happening? And they're like, "Oh, it's lions." Like, lions don't sound like that, you dummy. <laughs> you big dummy. That's right. Conan is really Fred Sanford. Um, and suddenly the wind shifts, and, and this this is the type of stuff that 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 Howard actually excels at writing. He's not the best in dialogue, and I wondered what would happen if the Conan movies. Uh, featured some of Robert Howard's actual dialogue. The thing is, he thought his dialogue was like, like cutting edge cursing. Oh yeah. And maybe in 1935 it was. You hussy! Slut! <gasps> Slut! Slap an R rating on that sucker real fast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. 
well, but when it comes, years. well, when it comes to creating tension and action, mm-hmm. uh, Howard is unparalleled. Yeah, I mean, he once he settles his focus in on the action of a particular scene, the sequence with the dragon alone could be an excellent short film because there's just so much yeah. drama and tension with Valeria and Conan being stuck on the rock. You know, right. or, or we're going to starve to death, and uh, yeah, well, probably. Might as well get it on. <laughs> Come in. Let me spank your ass. Right. Let me. You're a woman. Fondle your hair. You're a woman. I'm a man. We're about to die. You know what happens next. Um, we must repopulate. Yeah, you get thrown off the rock. We must repopulate this cliff. <laughs> repopulate this cliff. There we go. As you see, yeah. as you can tell, clearly see, the last resident is dead. Yes. It's either me or him. <laughs> right. So they get stuck up on this cliff by a rampaging dinosaur slash dragon thing. Right. And uh, it's nigh invulnerable. That's how you use nigh. Mm-hmm. You can right if you're going for the tick idiom. Um, but yeah, the dragon is is pretty much invulnerable. Uh, Conan knows that he's not going to eat, and definitely he can't fight Valeria, and he's not going to last long against the dragon. No stabby stabby. But and look, there are some strange fruits here. We can eat those, can't we? No, woman. No, no. Those are. You can't eat those. Those are poisonous. The apples are. They are. Jeez, did you take any ranks in your survival skill at all? No. I spent it all on charm. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I spent all my buffs in charisma. (laughs) I have an app score of 99. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Thankfully, there are poison apples. Right, on the thankfully trees. there are. There are poison apples on the trees. Yet, meanwhile, uh, but and then, now the only reason we know, we, the only reason we know that there's poison apples on these trees is because Conan is so well traveled right. that he came across a people who who call the apple those apples apples of whatever the name of their death god is. Yeah, goddess of death. Um, yeah, he even says, I've been this far south, but never this far east. Right. So he's in a new spot, but he knows the, the basic lay of the land. Right. Um, so even while they are on this crag, trapped by this dragon who can almost get to them. I know. It's, it's harrowing. You know, they're discussing, they're discussing, well, where were you planning on going anyway? <laughs> you know what are you what are you gonna Away do? Once, you. you know, and it's like it's like they already know that you know, Conan's pretty sure he's gonna figure out a way to get out of this. So he passes the time by you know it's like so uh, where are you headed? Well, he's like putting he's like Captain Kirk. He's putting himself into a fugue state by uh, flirting with her so that his subconscious could think his way out of the situation. Right. There we go. And. You know, he's like, well, if we go there, we'll, we'd have spears. And he goes, spears! Why didn't I think of that five minutes ago? Exactly. 
That's your fault, Valeria, being naked under those clothes. How dare you make me hot? <laughs> That's right. How dare you get me hot on the collar? And uh, so Conan, using his characteristic intelligence, chops off some limbs and fashions himself a spear poisoned with the apples. Let me pause right there. Okay. To address the issue that uh, most people think Conan is a, is a meathead. Right. He's not. The first real conflict in this story is solved by his wit. Yes. Right. He kills the unkillable foe by using his brain. By using his brain. And and balls of steel. Yes, well. Because as we as we will discover He is Sumerian. He is Sumerian. Um because he never lets you forget it. So he informs Conan. Sumerian. It's Conan is Sumerian for down the buck. <laughs> Did I um, tell you I was also a late night television host? Yeah. I also wrote the Sherlock Holmes stories. Arthur Conan yes. Doyle. <laughs> no, no, sir. Arthur Conan Doyle. And and Sherlock and my accomplice split. Moriarty's head in twain with his broadsword. <laughs> broadsword. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's like he informs Valeria of the plan, as all action heroes do. And Valeria is like, hint, hint. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a plan. What is it? You'll plan. see. I go onto the roof of the train. <laughs> Sorry. We're going to have a trade fight. Uh, Valeria, of course, says, well, I thought his armor is, you know, un un impenetrable. He's like, well, not everywhere, said woman. Isn't that right, left bicep? <laughs> yes, and that was my right arm, too. Conan. <laughs> Excuse me, Sue. Have they invented gun shows yet? No, they have not. Actually, there, during their argument, there is a scene where he does take her to the gun show. Because she's, she asks him how he got out, and he flexes his biceps. <laughs> how did you get out? I took him to the gun show. The broadsword show. I, I ran away. Mm. So, here we are. You know, we've got this poison spear. You know, where are you going to stick him? You know, his armor is impenetrable. Conan, because he's Sumerian and he has balls of steel. Well, and and the dragon's facing them. Because mm -hmm. there's another place you can stick it, but right, the but dragon you know, is facing away from you. Right. right. Lowers himself down on the cliff, and when the dragon comes up to try to eat him, he stabs him in the fucking mouth, right in the gums. He's like, uh, "You'll feel a slight pinch." That's right. Death by gingivitis. However, we bon realize we realize later that you know Conan 
misjudged the dosage. Well, I mean, how really do you judge that? He's he is Conan of Samaria, pirate, buccaneer, mercenary, not Conan the pharmacist. <laughs> Conan the pharmacist. Conan the pharmacist. It's like Zatoichi, twenty-seven films about a massage therapist. Uh, I'm going to need to see some identification if you want to use these apples of death. Yes. Do you have Five. a prescription for so like, oh, well, uh, class D, schedule D classified substance? That's true, just growing out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Now, they get down off the mountain, and uh, the dragon, the poison is affecting the dragon. And suddenly he real Conan realizes, oh yeah, he's a reptile. His sense of smell is probably better than his eyesight. The wind shifts yet again, and That's Conan. It's the it's the Robert E. Howard Conan equivalent of running away from an explosion. Right. And you know, the with wind, him throwing Valeria out of the blast. <laughs> right. Right, so we have the wind shifts again. He realizes that the dragon smells better than he sees, and his Conan balls of steel. His suggestion is run faster. <laughs> Except then she, he realizes she's a pirate and she's not built to run because pirates have no stamina. Right, and a city girl. Right. So yeah, he picks her up and. I guess throws her like 20, 30 <laughs> and then squares off against the dragon. Right, but the dragon the dragon decides to just keep on going. Right, <laughs> knocks Conan aside with its shoulder and smacks right into a tree, mm-hmm. crushes its own skull. Right, the dragon kills itself. Thanks, dragon. So. So yeah, you have you have this. I mean, Conan is not afraid to run from danger. No. <laughs> when he knows when he knows he's outmatched, he he'll he'll run. Yes. Uh, after that follows a, a another a, a short sequence of uh, Conan the Mary Sue. Conan being you know yes I I don't need sleep I'm a I was a Cossack once. That's <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I don't need to sleep. My ears keep watch while my eyes are resting. Yes. Yes. And you have any college student. Right. And, uh, you know... Because they figure there must be more of these things coming for them, so hey, let's just keep going. One of us keep watch. And then we have, you're tired, you know, you're not a horseman. You never, you haven't ridden that much in your life. No, you needed to sleep, lady. Yeah. And, and it's amidst all this abuse where she starts to soften on him. Right. Oh, yeah. She sees him sitting like a bronze statue. All glistening, fused, and wild hair. And she's like, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Howard says mm. that normally she doesn't, um, she resents the attention of men. But not Conan, for he is no normal man. He's no ordinary no. man. He's Conan, the few. 
It's Conan. I'm starting to get the vapors. Oh. <laughs> you know, and, and notice it's not. Yeah, her her sudden softening on Conan is not because you know he's good looking. He's not. It's because wow, you know, he just he just fought a dragon. You know, he's keeping watch. You know, he's he's just. He's done everything. He's just like a badass dude. I like badass dudes. But you know what? I'm not saying that this actually happens in real life. Right. But this actually happens a lot in men's literature. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Take Spider-Man, for example. Right. Nobody likes Peter Parker. We're talking old school Spider-Man. Right. but all the girls love Spidey because he's so amazing. That's right. But so you also this... notice the other part of the sequence where Valeria starts to soften on Conan is because he's quiet. He's not talking to her. <laughs> and when he finally does talk to her, he addresses her more as an equal rather than a conquest. Yes. He just more tells her matter-of-factly, you know, this is, you know, I used to be a Cossack. And she's like, is there anything you haven't done? I haven't been a king. <laughs> right. And that that's where they actually start flirting with each other as opposed to, you, I guess you go from MRE Conan right. to How I Met Your Mother Conan. Yeah, I guess. Kind of, he got, he's kind of that uh, pickup artist Conan in the beginning. Yeah, he's got his, and he wore a wide-sleeved yellow tunic and a trilby. Well, this yeah. of course is another common theme in in uh, Hollywood, where the the main couple at first they can't stand each other, mm-hmm. but then for reasons unknown they start falling for each other. And by the end of the flick, they they're inseparable. Right. It's it's something to do with with the conflict. It's like every action movie ever. You know, yeah. Speed is the same way. They even they even subverted a little bit in Speed because the kiss at the end. She's like, you know, most relationships that start because of traumatic events are doomed to fail. And like, well, we'll just base it on sex. Hey, I'm cool with that. Yeah, uh, uh, right. Whoa. Well, in a way, you kind of need a fictional romance to be like this because mm-hmm. without conflict, fiction is boring. Well, this is true. This is so true. You need, you can't have them be the happy couple. Even, like, we, I talked about Nick and Nora earlier. They constantly fought. Yeah. But a, a lot of Nick and Nora's fighting you know, was on the playful side. Yes. Well, but, I mean, conflict is conflict. It could be Romantic right. comedy conflict. It can mm-hmm. be all in out, you know, knock down, drag out fighting conflict. But just to have that conflict there, right, is is what you what the goal is. Right. It's like it's like you know Nick and Nora are you know yeah they trade barbs because that's the people they are. Right. And that's what makes them perfect for each other is and that they're they, alcoholics. And they're both alcoholics. Did he smell it or hear it? Is this is that is that Mr. 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 Charles? Yes. Is this a cocktail? Yes. They'll get together. 
So they get to the city. Okay. And now, now all of this is happening hasn't even reached the actual conflict of the story. The plot of the story has not happened yet. Right. This is this has this nothing to do setup. with the story this of is, Red Nails. This, this is, is all just setup. chapter one, I think. Chapter yeah. chapter one and chapter two. Yeah. This is the setup. Okay. This is how they get to where they're going and what their dynamic is when they get there. Right. <clears throat> um they get to the city, it's all walled up, there's no it looks like it's abandoned. It's not just walled up. It's like enclosed. Yeah, it's enclosed, completely enclosed. It's more like a huge castle. Yeah. Or a huge keep, rather than a fortified town. Right. And which is weird. It's lit with magical gems. Um, of course, they get there. Conan's like, well, you know, I don't know why we want to go here. It seems abandoned. It's like, well, you know, maybe they left some money in there. And in the comic version, Conan says, now you're speaking my language, effectively. You know, in the in the story, he, he says nothing to... Uh, well, they do say that they're, they're both vagabonds. Right. Who ran and, away and from perilous. their job, yeah. Uh, and Conan kind of enjoys that lifestyle. You know, oh, what traveler... Adventurer isn't broke all the damn time. <laughs> oh, Conan. Silence, woman. I was dressing my fuse. Oh, abuse. <laughs> oh, my God. So hot. You pushed that door open. Here we go. Another Conan feat of strength where he uses his powerful legs to push open the door, snapping the bolt. Yeah. Snaps a dead bolt. Now it was <laughs> almost rusted through. Conan says he yeah, oh, was almost rusted through. Yeah. yeah. When, when in reality, you know, yeah. if this were a film, the camera would pan to the bolt and show that the bolt was not actually rusted. Right. <laughs> right, because Conan's a paragon of humility. <laughs> <laughs> he can be in certain situations. Um. Right, so they get in the city, mm -hmm. and it, it looks abandoned, but everything is made out of jade and lapis lazuli. Jade and lapis lazuli in this mysterious red material on the floor that glitters like it's on fire, even though it's not. Um, and she's like, "Wow!" He's like, "It's jade," and he's like, "She's like, are you sure?" Yeah, I've rated enough Kushan. <laughs> to know what Jade looks like. <laughs> Damn, Question Conan. Understandable. I mean, who's ever seen a whole floor made of red jewels and like everything made of jade? And oh, yeah. who, who does that? Yeah, who this place that? is absolutely a wonder um, to behold. I mean, you know, and of course it's the lost city trope as well. Right. Uh, and. You and know, actually, that might be another reason they haven't really done that is because that would be stupid expensive to do on film. Yeah, yeah, it'd probably be CG though. Even to even to make it look like that. Uh, just make it a model with some sound stages. Wow, this city's really impressive. It's only a model. It's only a model. Um. So we we finally find something that Conan doesn't know. 
as they are discussing the architecture. Yes. It looks like it may be from Stygia, but it's no Stygian architecture I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> and oh, because there are black people in the frescoes. That's um, I thought it was Kushans in the frescoes. Um, the frescoes were... We can look. Continue the discussion, and I will look at the frescoes. So they reveal the identity of the builders through a series of friezes uh, depicting you know, the, the residents of the city engaging in partying and sex and dining and playing games and stuff like that. Which and is actually like, really important to the theme of the book. Yes. Yes. Lives of luxury. And well, Conan... To the extreme. The decadence. Yes. Now, Conan... Of course, you know, this that's not the lifestyle he's all about. Yeah, he loves the booze. Yeah, he loves the corrals. But there's one thing missing from all of these freezes of daily life, and that is warfare. And Conan makes a point to say, you know, is repulsed by the freezes, not because of who they are, because they are leading a disgustingly peaceful life. Damn it. How dare they? Yeah. Where's the fucking blood, man? Where's the fun in lying around having sex all day? Come on. Conan, what is best in life? Ah, ah here we go. Actually, the freezes have them as... Um, basically, Indians. Like, from India, Indians. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the friezes portrayed slender, dark-skinned men and women with finely chiseled features. They wore long robes and many jeweled ornaments. Their complexion, cleverly re reproduced, was olive. Um, that is after talking about being a war chief amongst the Afghulis, who dwell in the Himalayan mountains above the borders of Ventia. These people right. may have been Kazalans. But why the hell should Castlelands be building a city this far to the west? It's a mystery. So you have that, um, wow, the Himalayas. I wonder where those are. Himalayas. Yeah, it's almost spelled exactly the same way. Yeah. Remarkable. <laughs> so you, you have the, these people are from the subcontinent. Right. The people who built the city. Mm -hmm. And it's actually later revealed that they are indeed from the subcontinent. Yes. Um, it is at this point Conan leaves. <laughs> I'm gonna go check out these chambers over here. Right. He just Howard just writes Conan right out of the scene. Yeah. And we go through I think two more chapters. Conan's gone. He's nobody right. knows where he is. Well, I mean Valeria decides that she's tired and she wants to sit out for a while. Right. And Conan right. says, "Oh, Resting. you know what? Do what you want. I'll go over here." I'll go over here. There's nobody here. Fuck it. Yeah. I'll, I'll be back. I'm just gonna go check the rest of this out. See if there's see if there's any plunder. Well, I mean, why else would you be there? Well, that's the only reason they went in. That and to keep themselves safe from dragons. Right. So then Valeria stumbles upon the plot. Yes. And I'll let you take over. All right. So she sees a guy 
who is also of dark skin and misshapen body. Muscular yet misshapen. What is on your head? There's nothing on my head. Right. So he's slinking along, sword in hand, acting very nervous, below her. She's looking at him, and he goes into another chamber. She follows him. Once she gets in there, she sees he's dead. And there's another guy coming at her. And then, from in the gloom, a light, a glow starts. And the glow eventually gets bright enough to see that it is a skull floating in the darkness. It is indeed the burning skull. <gasps> no, not the burning skull! Um, the burning skull attacks the guy, she attacks the burning skull, and cracks it open. Ghost Rider! It turns out it's a guy wearing a skull over his head. Like a helmet. That's a big fucking skull. It is a big fucking skull. Jaw and everything. Right, well now this thing, it turns out, and this is so cool, it's the skull of a dead wizard. And then when you wear it, you get some of the powers, mesmerizing powers of the wizard. Now, I don't know how much of that is actually magic and how much of that is you see this guy wearing a glowing fucking skull on his head. It's frightening the shit out of you. Right. Either way, it's effective. Right. Um, I like how they depicted it in the comic. <clears throat> that, you know, it's like this wraith-looking skeleton warrior and then uh, Valeria kills him, and it's a dude in a fucking, like, you know, Walmart skeleton costume. <laughs> now, remember, this is the Valeria who said she was too tired to go on. And yet That's she right. still kicked his ass. She split, his, she, she split him in fucking two. After, after <laughs> dropping, after a three-story jump. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> Too but tired to go on. After killing the burning skull, we get an explanation of what the actual hell is going on in this city. Right. There's a big history lesson that I don't want to go into. Right. Basically, <laughs> there are two two clans. One lives on the east side. One lives on the west side. And they can't stand each other, and they're right. fighting. Yes. So Conan and Valeria effectively walk into... Um, Gang West Side warfare. Story. Right. West Side now, Story. Now, they are invaders of the city. They're not the city's builders. Correct. They have come to the city and actually took it over with some inside help from a, from a slave. They slaughtered the inhabitants. Well, actually, they, they slaughtered and gave all the live inhabitants to the slave guy for torture. Mm-hmm. And you actually ended up with three factions in the city. Um, the two invader faction, factions and the faction led by the ex-slave. Right. Which becomes important later on. Then, as always, the only thing that can cause such a rift between two brothers, because the two factions are led by a set of brothers, mm. is what else? A, a woman. Of course. The wife of the leader of the third faction, eventually. Yes. Right. Who and came with them from Stygia. 
That's fucking Stygians. To the city. <laughs> yeah, Conan's got a... Howard had a real hard-on against the Stygians. Well, because they worship Set. Right. Now... Okay, so the bad clan, or the clan with the burning skull, are the Zotalanks. Mm-hmm. The good clan are the Takudals, Takulis, and they are all sub-factions of the Plazatlans. Don't ask me to say any of that again. Right. And the city is called Zucatl. Mm-hmm. All vaguely Mesoamerican. Right. Now, it does have that that Maya, Mayan Aztec feel to it. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Valeria and her new friend, uh, end up getting jumped by some of the other gang. And yeah, you know. Valeria's handling her own. She's taking some dudes out. Uh, they get to drop on her because she doesn't quite finish one off. He grabs her legs. The other dude's about to uh, about to kill her, deliver the killing blow, and the next thing you know, he's split in half, and there's Conan. Just in time. Once again, Conan just appears. <laughs> right. Because he somehow knew. Conan the plot device. Uh, you know. Well, you have to remember who's what's the name on the box. Code what, What's selling the story? That's Conan. my name on this you, cover. You, you didn't you didn't buy this issue of Weird Tales because it was about um, Valeria, Valeria Brotherhood. Who the fuck is that? You bought it because there's Conan. Right. But, you know, it's almost like that that scene is written that, you know, Conan shows up and he just chops a guy in half and he's like, What's everybody doing? What's up, guys? I can't leave you alone for five minutes. (laughs) Before you're brawling again. That's why I love you, Valeria. (laughs) What, did you get bored while I was gone? What? Who's this guy? And so we have the meet cute with Conan, and uh, they go through, and he's like, "Oh!" And the guy's like, "Oh, wow, man, you guys are badasses. Let me let me take you back to headquarters." Not only are you badasses, but you're white badasses. White, white badasses. Oh yes, of course. This makes you king. Well, no, it doesn't necessarily make you king, but I'm um, given the background the guy gave. He had been born in this city. He knows nothing but the city. Right. Well, you're right. Not king. In fact, he refers to Valeria as a goddess, so it makes right. them gods. Yeah, she's a she's a war goddess. Well, yes. They did beat the shit out of a dragon. But they don't well, know they that yet. They don't know that just yet. He takes them back. He takes them back through the. There's an encounter with some monster in the dark. The crawler. The crawler. The crawler. Uh, once again, Valeria is too slow. To run away, so he's pretty much like I think Howard described it as half pushed, half carried <laughs> up the stairs. The crawler was kind of cool because you didn't really get to see the crawler. Mm-hmm. It was just this presence. 
right. this vaguely reptilian presence that was behind right. them. That right. Conan basically lashed out at it blindly. Mm-hmm. And, and got lucky. Well, but you don't know how lucky he was. Right. Well, he knew he hit it. He knew right. he cut it pretty good. Right. And that's all he knew. Um, but, but at this point, you don't know what it was, and it could be after seeing the skull, the burning... Well, he didn't see the burning skull, but after what they've seen so far and being told that there's wizardry about in the catacombs, right. that it could be a supernatural thing, and it's not like Conan hasn't encountered the supernatural before. Right. Because he has. But yeah, this is another sequence where where Howard builds tension very well. Yes. Because they are walking in the dark. Right. They cannot. Mm-hmm. None of them can see except maybe their guide, who's used to this. But they he he has this protracted sequence where you know they're walking in the dark. They hear the footsteps. They hear doors opening. You know they can't see anything, but everything is auditory, and it's just that. It's it's kind of like sitting in a room uh, in the dark with your eyes closed. It's like every sound registers to your brain. Right. And you because know. you're in a tense situation, every sound is a potential threat. Right. The the I thought the greatest part of this scene was when Conan just matter-of-factly says, um, are you sure your people aren't in front of us? Because... I heard a sword clink against a scabbard in the next room up. Right, I, I heard a sword clink against steel, or a steel yeah. against stone. Right, it was something weird. Or whatever it was. And but and nobody knew who it was. Right. Because none of them can see, none of them can see, and that's basically when they high footed. Right. Because they that was the confirmation that somebody was on their tail. And in the dark, and you can't, you know, you can't really tell friend from foe. So right. they didn't want to fight their own people, and they didn't want to fight the other guys in the, right. in the dark. And then they get to the to the the door to let them into that quarter of the city, and the guards are not letting them in. Right, and he's like, "It's me. I have a password. I have a couple of folks with me. White folks. I found white people. Let us <laughs> in." And then, then... What's the password? And then they're like, yeah, what's, what the fuck you, pal? We're not letting you in. Like, let me in! The fucking monster's right behind how me! How do I know... How do I know who you are? Who won the World Series in 1957? <laughs> right, and, and, and then he starts beating on the door. He's like, it's the fucking monster's right behind my ass! <laughs> let me the fuck in! We have one of the most... It's like Abbott and Costello drew up, the, drew up the plans for this fucking army. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's really surprising that they lasted as long as they did. Yeah. So they get inside, and we find out that there's this, this city has an ingenious little device for looking, you know, checking to see who's at the door. A, a series of mirrors... That you can look in the mirror and you see through this little slit who's standing outside the door. Right. You know they call it the eye, but you know it's basically like a periscope type of thing. Right. Which that's that's what also another one of the interesting things about 
particularly you know the Conan world, is there's always these little anachronistic pieces of technology that you would think that none of these people would have access to. Right, and and they probably did not um, come up with it on their own. It was, no, probably, it was probably the the ancient technology of the original makers mm -hmm. of the city. Right. Because wizards are always possessed of things that are far advanced. Right. I mean, we saw that we saw that in Kikonga. Oh yeah. Oh wait till you read you start um, beneath the the shining beneath the shining jewel. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've got like well, yeah. we'll we'll do that next one. Right. Yeah. They got some shit. <laughs> yeah. Conan Conan gets into there, they uh they introduce him to everybody. Uh, you know, I am I am Conan, a Sumerian, because everybody has to uh, announce their name and, and what their heritage, right. what species, Valeria, Aquilonia, right? You know, because that's important is knowing what country you're from. It is well, Sumeria that you know holds some weight, right? Well, so does Aquilonia, doesn't it? Yeah, probably less so. Because remember, um, Apollonia is civilized, whereas Samaria is barbarous. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking speaking of which, uh, we're we're running a bit long, so let's let's get to that theme of civilization being uh, being a corrupting influence. Um, now, Conan, we discussed earlier, you know, not being portrayed as a meathead, uh, being portrayed more intelligent, but. Um, he is. He's not intelligent as like you know an intellectual. He's intelligent as a he's predator. He's canny, right? And he's Howard, you know, Howard often has Valeria compare him to a panther. Right. Or yeah. in the uh, the battle in inside the city, she refers to him as a gray wolf amongst street curs. You know. Both animals known for, you know, not just being large and dangerous, but also for cunning. Right. And Conan, Conan's intelligence is more of a, more of a cunning, and he's also presented as this this creature of the wild, in that you he's, know, he's well, got he's this kinship with all of nature. He's in tune. You're right. Um, with, when when the dragon was dying, he was. Perfectly okay with that, and he was perfectly okay with the dragon being there, because that's just the way it is. Right. This is where dragons live. Dragons will try to eat you. Do not be eaten. Suggesting we break this into two parts. Just an idea. What do you think? Hmm. Um, Conan is being, uh, you know, <clears throat> they're introducing themselves and. You know, we get the history lesson on how everybody came to be, the history of the three tribes, that uh, the three groups that Steve discussed earlier. Um, and one thing that that gets me is this, is through Howard's narration, where once again we're getting this all from Valeria's perspective. Right. That, you know, the, the people of this city are repulsive. And they are. To, to her. You know, they've no zero body fat for sure. 
<laughs> they're, all, they're all Olympic volleyball players. Despite being completely sedentary. Right. Well, because all they do is, is run and fight. Run and fight. For for fifty years, these these groups have been fighting. Yes. We now, real quick, this is the part where we find out why it's called Red Nails, and it's not because Conan has opened up a salon in Takatl. It is because every time one of their enemies is slain, they drive a red nail into a into an ebony post. Right. In the throne room. So and when they get back, there were five dead. They drove five red nails, and they make a huge deal of it because that's five less of their enemy that they have to deal with. Plus, Valeria killed the Burning Skull. The Burning Skull apparently was their champion. Yeah. The other team's champion. Now, the other team has access to a lot more wizardry because the east side apparently is where all the wizards are or were buried. Right. There's, there's a catacombs underneath the city where they, they have been putting their dead, and there's a shit ton of wizards and magic down there, but it's haunted. Right. Ooh. Yeah. Because apparently all of the wizards lived on the west side. Yes. But side. if you know how east to side. access it, you can talk to any wizard you want and get their powers. Yep. And they've learned how to access it. Yes. And now, also, now, also a quick, a quick little thing. You can tell because they're all the same type of people. You can tell the good guys and the bad guys apart because the bad guys have skulls right. shirts, onto their shirts and skins. Right. Um, now, important. The um, Tolkamek is the slave who let them into the city in the first place and was the leader of the third faction. Right. He was eventually deposed tortured and and put in the dungeons to be eaten by rats, he escaped into the catacombs. Mm. And it is said to this day that his ghost haunts the catacombs. <gasps> and every time the word catacombs appears in the text, there's a subtle dun 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 Yes. They're definitely the the ominous presence. Right. <clears throat> Okay. So yeah, we've got an abandoned city, two warring factions, weird shit in the basement. Right. Two more things. We have the whole plot down. We have Olmet, the leader of these guys, who is the head of the creeps, mm -hmm. and his consort, Tascala. Tas However you want to pronounce it. Tascala. Tascala was how they pronounced it on my audiobook. Okay. Tessella. She is the consort to Olmec, and you find out later she is the woman that 50 years ago was stolen from one brother to the other and caused this whole war. And Valeria says, damn, she looks good for 50. And she's a, she's a good-looking broad, as they say, in 1935. She, right, she, had, she had gams that went all the way up. Maybe it's Maybelline. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe we find out, don't we? We do find out what it is. So they hire Conan and Valeria. Tell them they're trapped in the city because there's dragons all over the place out there. Hire Wait. them 
to help get rid of their enemies. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when, when they go to sleep, Valeria... Wait, 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 wait. Back up just a little bit. They hire them, not because Valeria uh, killed the Burning Skull. Apparently that was no big deal. It was just a matter of time. They hire them immediately because Conan, they talk about the dragons, and Conan just, like, passingly mentions that he killed one. And they're like, you slayed the dragon god? And he's just like, I don't know about any god, but I killed a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, you're hired, pal. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's our Hitler! <laughs> So, right, so I go to bed, Valeria has her own chamber, she's having this weird dream about a flower over her, she wakes up because something brushes against her, and it is Tassila's handmaiden, um, Yasala, who's trying to drug her with the infamous Black Lotus, which comes up in other... Conan stories. The Black Lotus. Date rate drug. So, so, Effectively. Yeah, so um, Valeria's trying to find out why this is happening and ends up tying up and spanking <laughs> yourself. Enhanced hey, who could that have been written for? Oh, that that's has Wesley J. Junk written all over. Now, now here's the thing. I actually read through the story and listened to it. I read through the draft of the story that's provided. As if you all get um, the copy that's in this, the Conquering Sword of Conan, which is the I, and who published that? That's Del, a, that's Rey. Del Rey edition. That's the Del Rey edition, the definitive edition. There's a draft of Red Nails at the back which is about half as long as the actual story, and lot of, of huge chunks of the story are not in the draft. I, I read it and listened to the audiobook while I was reading it for comparative analysis, mm -hmm. and um, most of the things that were left out are the tension-building elements. It looks like he had it written down, submitted it, and then was and then was told, well, you got to do this and this and that, and he went and did it. Right. But one of the things that was missing was the spanking was not in there. Right. Now, speaking of the the separate rooms, uh, Thomas adds a line into the the Savage Tales version, where they go to their separate rooms, and Conan complains that he's going to be cold. Yes, poor Conan. Doesn't this scene where they're in their separate rooms and she's like going, imagining him on his couch looking all grumpy? Yeah. Doesn't it remind you of uh, that scene in the Temple of Doom? Yes. Because <laughs> that's exactly when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, Spielberg totally ripped this off. She's of red nails. She's quite happy. She's quite happy that Conan is in this other room, like cranky. Yes. Because. because you know, he was cock-blocked once again. <laughs> Where am I sleeping? <laughs> Over there, dumbass. Over there. <laughs> in the room marked sex machine. <laughs> so, there may have been two spankings going on. 
Did you catch my drift? What happens in Evil City stays in the Evil City. Zeus! Zeus! <laughs> right. Now, so, um, if there was a spanking in Conan's room, that would explain why, you know, everybody just, just he just knocked the door down with it, because everybody just walks into his room later. Hmm. Alright, so, uh, so Yasela, Yasala gets spanked, decides she's going to spill the beans, asks for some wine, and throws it in Valeria's face and escapes. Right. Into the catacombs. <gasps> well, there is a dun 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 because when Valeria gives up and turns around, you hear the scream. Right. And the no, no! Right, because Valeria gets down to the catacombs and she's like, well, fuck that. Yeah, well, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And, and so she lives to the next chapter. <laughs> Well, and now this is the last straw for Valeria. Valeria at this point goes, fuck this, I'm getting Conan, we're leaving. Right. Unfortunately, the... Hold on. The uh, Zodlantics had a different thing in mind. Right. It is at this point where the enemy beco becomes at their gate with the third really cool thing that they got from their wizardry, which is the bagpipes of mesmerism. Yep. Ooh. So the guards at the gate <laughs> are sitting there and they hear green slippers. <laughs> We're amazing brave. Scotland the brave. Or amazing grace, since that's right. the, like. Green That's sleeves. the one you hear every night. <laughs> right. Green sleeves and and uh, and amazing grace. So they hear they, they hear this sound and it's pipes being played. And the one guy looks in the eye and all of a sudden he is encircled by the sound of the pipes. Yes. So they have wizard pipes. And the wizard pipes make him basically fling open the doors and run out into the crowd of the enemy where he's summarily Smitten. Smited. Sumerianly? Sumeria. Fuck you. God damn you. Summarily. Summarily, thank you. Summarily. Smote. Smote. Run. Smitten. I, I guess it would be Valeria who is summarily smitten. Right. He was smote, split like a pig. Yes. And that is how the invaders get into the city, and we have the great fight scene. Right. Yes. Which... The great fight scene. Valeria runs up. Uh, their buddy from uh, before. Right. Whose name is? Hold on. Tacaddle. Tacaddle runs in. He's like, they're in here. Uh, you know. Valeria is going to Conan's room like to get him and say, let's get the fuck out of here. Fuck it, we'll face the dragons. These people are fucked up. Right, I'd rather fight dragons than hang around with these fucked up people. Takato comes in and is like, the, the enemy is here. They're inside. And Conan's like, 
<clears throat> Let's go kick some ass. And that's what they do. And it's a great fight scene, the way he describes it. Mm-hmm. It's very non-specific. Right. <laughs> well, and that kind of gives you the feel of what it would be like for 40 guys and, and girls fighting 40 guys and girls. Right. You're going to get that confusion. And, yes, the, the, a, lot of, a lot of that fight is actually from Conan's point of view. Mm-hmm. But even that is, uh, you know, he talks about sandaled feet and the confusion of the sounds and blah, blah, blah. Right, and then people are, like, guys are going down, they're getting stomped on right. when they hit the ground. And then it ends. And then just as quick as it starts, it ends, and our boys are the victors. Yeah, you have Conan standing in the middle right. of just this pile of bodies. You know, that, that, that typical Conan thing. The best part about that scene was is right afterwards where he hit More Hero Quest. More Hero Quest. <laughs> uh, Valeria's there. She's been stabbed in the calf. Right, and he's like, "You need to get that looked at." And she's like, well, "What about you?" And you know, because he's covered with blood from head to toe, and he just like shakes off his hand and goes, "It's not mine." <laughs> <laughs> right, so at this point, you think it'd be over, but they got to do the mop up. Right. So Conan volunteers himself for mop up duty. He's going to go over to the other side and make sure they're all dead. And right. Valeria wants to go with him, but he's like, no, no, you're injured. You stay here because right. of reasons. He's uh, He wants to be the manly man. He actually offers to go by himself. Right, and and Olmec said, wants two of his boys to go. Um, Takato actually volunteers to go with Conan, and he's, no, no, you're injured. Take these two guys. And that would be um, Yaneth and Topol. Mm-hmm. So they go to go check out the other side. And Valeria goes into a chamber to get her wound dressed. Right. So you have party split, action on both sides. And this is where the timey-wimey thing happens, because they talk about what happens to Conan up to a point, and then they backtrack and Talk about what happens to Valeria. Up to a point. At that during that same time period. Right. So, in a nutshell, Conan goes there. They're all all the enemy are dead. Uh, they find her, the throne room where instead of red nails hammered into a uh, pillar, they have the severed heads of everyone who they've ever killed. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Behind, behind glass. Right. It's it's. A little reminiscent of um, the Walking Dead comic, mm-hmm. but anyway, or the Re- Walking Dead comics reminiscent of that. So, at this point, um, Yaneth goes goes nuts because he sees his brother and his father's cousin's roommate, right, and his mother's babysitter, and he like flips out and and attacks Tobol. Well, no, first off, first off, Conan reaches out and tries to comfort him. Right, because, you know, 
places his mighty hand upon his sword. Is he's really a gentle barbarian that way. No, they're, they're, they've been through war together. That brings people together like that. Especially if you're Conan. Right. That's how he makes friends. You fall by, by my side. reaching out and gently touching you. You don't, you don't, you didn't try to stab me in the back. You're my buddy. Until he tries to stab him in the back. Until he tries to stab him in the back. <laughs> so now this is where all the intrigue starts. Because this is this is the part of the story where it's like a fucking football play with end-arounds and quarterback sneaks and Statue of Liberty plays. Right. Everybody, save Conan and Valeria are trying to outscrew the rest of everybody at this point. Right. So, yeah, turns out... There's a point when you just say, who the hell am I supposed to root for here? Well, it turns out Olmec wanted Valeria for himself. So he told these guys to kill Conan. Mm. Conan... He told Topol to kill Conan. Right. The other it's guy going crazy was not part of the point. crazy, right. So, he, but the other guy kills Topol... Topol's dying breath, where Conan's trying to be a mensch and says, do you want me to tell anybody anything because you're done for? He tries to stab Conan. <laughs> Conan doesn't have that, kicks his ass. And then, and then in his dying breath, he says, Olmec desired the yellow-haired woman. He told me to kill you. <laughs> ah. right. right. And then he dies, and then Conan stands up and, you know, you know, the Conan theme plays. Right. This is the point where Conan's like, there's about 15 of them left. I can take them all. Right. Right, because now a woman's life is in danger. Well, and they also try to kill him. Yeah, that's after he After he just, like, handed them victory. Right. There's... there's one of the, the interesting things about the character of Conan is that, like a lot of, you know, manly, you know, macho action heroes... He does not take shit off of anybody. He is completely cool with you until, until you, you cross him. Until you cross him and give him shit, and then he comes after you. And this is the part where Conan decides, "I'm going after these guys." Right. And he is, basically he is, you know, the old Warner Brothers cartoons where you know the the bulldog is stomping back to wherever he's going. He's got his chest puffed out and his fist balled up. Right. And, you know, he pushes his trilby down a little bit, so... He, <laughs> he's wearing a, a turtleneck, too, isn't he? No, he's wearing a v-neck. But, um, yeah, he gets back... Show the chest, man. He gets back... Um, shit, I don't remember if he runs into anybody else, or... Yes, he runs into Takadal. Oh, that's right. Who, who has says, also been Who betrayed. warns him about Olmec. Right. Now, Takano was playing straight up with Conan. Right. Um, and he told Olmec, don't fuck with Conan. He just took your fat out of the fryer. But Olmec's a horn dog. And, an and, a big guy, and a big guy himself. Right. So. And, and a stone-cold cold idiot. Because he right. knows what we're about to find out. And he does what he does anyway. Because he's an idiot. Right. So, uh, Olmec slays Takadal, but with Takadal's dying breath, he tells Conan, beware of Olmec, he took Valeria to the chamber of... Ah. They were like, damn it! 
to cuddle. Where can I find this chamber of uh? I guess, uh. <laughs> right. So, so Tocotl, and you know that's where they got that from too. Right. Takano goes out like you know, like every brave sidekick. You know, it's like he drags himself, God knows how far, in his own blood. That far. Right. You know, he drags himself, drags himself like you know, fractions of inches in his own blood. By his lips. You know, at least at least six squares. Right. By his biceps. Right, because his movement has been um, halved. Right. A for being prone and B for being. Um, but he but he passed his hit points. He passed his con check. <laughs> and he comes up and he's telling Conan this and he gives him the I tried to save her. I did. Uh, you know, he's taking you to the chamber of uh, <laughs> That's, that's got to be our, our theme for this, is the chamber of uh, No, it's Thu's the boss. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so Conan goes to the chamber of because uh, he hears a sound. Right. And instead of seeing what he wants to see, there's Olmec trussed up in the coolest torture device I've ever read about. Yep, it's it's like a cross between the pit and the pendulum, and an, an iron the Iron Maiden. Yeah, he's laid out on this slab, trussed, and his head is lying on a bed of of nails. And every time he moves his head, this huge iron ball goes down just a little bit more, mm -hmm. and more. So every time his his head hurts because of, because of the spikes, and he jerks his head up for relief. The ball comes down until finally, he's just going to be crushed under the ball. Yeah, that's that's fucked up. I'm sorry. It's kind of like the Loki torture. Kind of. Conan eventually stumbles across this, and he's like, "Well, isn't that the coolest thing I've ever seen?" I know, Conan. <laughs> uh, well, where's Valeria? I'm not telling you. All right, bye. I don't give a shit. I'll find her anyway. Bye, fucker. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, bye, Felicia. Um, and he's like, no, no, no. You know, and he starts spill. You know, he spills the beans, and right. he's like, let me up, and I promise you, I'll find her. He's like, I don't she's know. He's a civilized man. For all of his bluster and his brawn, Olmec is is a man of civilization, and a decaying one at that. Right. He's weak. And Conan, you know, being Conan, he's like, let, just let me up, just let me up. He's like, nah, I think I'll figure out what happens if I tickle your ear with my sword. That's right. You know, just twist it around a little yeah. bit in your ear. Uh, uh, you know. uh, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> and then he's like, nah, I'm just playing. He lets him out. <laughs> well, because all my, this high to spill the meat. I'll show you where she is, and, and so and then that reveals kind of you know Conan being a bit of a twisted fuck. Yeah. Now we cut to what happened to the Valeria Valerian story, and how Olmec got there mm -hmm. in the torture chamber of ecstasy. So Valeria, he comes in while Valeria Olmec comes in while Valeria is being. Um, Medicineized while her, her wounds are being taken care of, and dismisses the dismisses the slave and says, "Oh, this is a terrible bandage." 
and then tries to rape her. Right. And here we have yet another basic fear being preyed upon by Robert mm -hmm. is the fear of a white woman being raped by a black man. Right. So she she hauls off and punches him. Right. But he's big. He's a big guy. Yeah. Right. He's a big dude. And he just grabs her and hauls her off and gotta take her somewhere. And for the first time she experiences fear of a man. Right. Exactly. Which is soon because, followed by the first time she experiences fear by a woman. Right. <laughs> because in comes, um, what's her name? Tassala. Thank you, Tassala. And now we find out why Tassala is still young after 50 years. Because it ain't Maybelline. No, she's a nope. vampire. She's a vampire witch. Yep. Yep. Big old vampire witch. She's... she's She's a wannabe Elizabeth Bathory. Yep. She uses the blood and the energy of young women to keep herself young. And it turns out she's older than fuck. Yeah, she and was old as shit when she came. Yes, she was um, taught this by a Stygian wizard, see, back to Stygia, who desired her. Mm-hmm. The Stygian, the Stygians have all the dark magic, don't they? Yeah, they're the evil fucks. Right. So she's like, you know, Olmec, you can't have her. She's mine. Yes. And Olmec decides he's going to step up, you know, probably for the first time in his fucking life. Well, I mean, it's just because he wants to have her himself. It's not because it's a stand-up guy right. or anything. It's, it's not a stand-up guy or anything. He's got nefarious purposes, but... He's trying to his, protect his own. Right. His nefarious purpose is, you know, leads him to probably standing up to Tassala for the first time in his life. Right. Because he was encircled by her. Mm-hmm. She was the power behind the throne. She was the run, one right. running the kingdom. And, you know, it was, it was Tassala who was responsible for the Black Lotus poisoning. It was Tassala who was responsible for them being here in the first place. Right. She took the brothers away from Stygia because she didn't want to have to marry some Stygian wizard. Right. And so she, yeah, Tassala is, is the, the evil witch, you know, in its most basic. She's right. been pulling the strings behind the entire feud, behind their... Egg, Exit from Stygia. Yeah, she's been she's responsible for the whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, you know she's hell. I think she even had something to do with the dragons being killed. Um, um, no, but she had to do with not telling them that the dragon that they killed was the last of them. Right. So. so now we now we get into Lovecraft Country. Yes. <laughs> where which is where I think Howard is probably weakest. Right. Um. Up until now, it's been a pretty solid action story with vague supernatural elements, mm -hmm. but they could be supernatural. They could be pseudo scientific. You don't quite know. Right. But now we have Vampire Queen, and we have the reanimated Wendigo corpse 
right, of mm. her ex-husband. Right. And we have Valeria with her white skin, naked, strapped across this yes. altar. Anybody has ever oh, no, seen she's... the cover of Weird Tales um, for the third installment of this story, which um, the link that I put up on Facebook is that cover. Um, that's Valeria strapped to the slab getting vampirized by... A slightly, a slightly more risque version. Right, because, she's uh, not even strapped down. She's being held down by, like, what, two people? Right, cultists. Right. Right. Well... And, and this is where she really falls short for me, because this is our badass Valeria who kicks all the ass even when she's dead tired, and two people can hold her down. Come on. Really? And yet, plot. Well, so. she might she might have been drugged. Yes, eh. black, black lotus. Yeah. We don't know what was on her bandage. Yeah, I guess that's true. But also, also, and then she doesn't she just, doesn't she pop shit, right up then? And she did have the shit beat out of her by uh, Olmec. Yeah, Olmec oh, did that's put true. her. That's true. Olmec put her in a bear hug. She might have some broken ribs or something. Yeah, yeah that's true. <clears throat> and uh, remember, what what's her name? God damn it. Uh, Tessella? Tessella has vampire witch powers. Yeah, that's true. But there's just something about an altar that just relaxes people. That's oh, right. Yeah. Human sacrifice. Totally, yeah. Sacrificial altar. It's Especially like, when I know, you're naked. I know I'm going to die, but damn, this is comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even care that I'm naked, man. No, actually like it makes it... It makes it better. I like the way the stone feels. So now you, now you have the set. <laughs> now you have the set piece where everybody in the clan is there. Right. Those who are left are there, watching in reverence as um, Tisella starts to do her thing. In comes Conan. Uh, Yay! After all that, once again tries to to fuck with him because he's a dumbass. Right. So Conan finally takes care of him. In a, in a wrestling match. Yeah. Bursting on the scene. And, and gets trapped. immediately gets a bear trap on his leg. Damn it! <laughs> well, no. First, first he try. You know, gets. You know, he comes. Him and Olmec were wrestling on the stairs. Right. And they roll down the stairs. They crash through this door. Right. Olmec does not survive. Olmec, yeah, he just chokes the shit. You know. Conan he, like, like, breaks his neck, doesn't he, or something? Yeah, he chokes you're, him to death. You're done. Oh, okay. Olmec, you're done. Right. Suplexed. Suplexed. You know, RKO out of nowhere! Because Conan is the cream of, that rises to the top. So, so speaking of, of professional wrestling, they crash through the door. Conan gets up. You know... Like wipes the the so he's got splinters and shit sticking out of his head. He just goes, "Oh yeah," <laughs> <laughs> and starts stomping across the room because you know by now he's really pissed. <laughs> then he gets you know and he, because he's pissed and he's not paying attention. Bear trap. Bear trap. Failed his spot hidden role. Well, I don't think he was even making that role. I don't even didn't know to make it. You didn't even request to make that role. Rookie mistake, Conan. What the fuck? 
Make a, uh, Nick told him to make a spot hidden at a disadvantage, and he rolled a 99. Oh. So now you think, oh shit, Valeria's doomed. But then, <laughs> Statue of Liberty play. I don't know where. Wild card, bitches. <laughs> Suddenly, zombie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did Clancy write this? Ooh. So, yeah. So, um, our boy, uh, Tolkamek, from the catacombs, comes with a Tesla death ray. Right. And and a, and a madness in his eyes that he is no he is no longer human. Yes, he has um, he has paralleled the descent of this culture perfectly. Right. So he starts blasting everything in his sight. Yep. Starts with the starts with the uh, flunkies. Yep. Flunkies dead. Don't even have to roll for damage. Right. And uh, Tascala. Gives Conan, gets deactivates the trap. Gives Conan a, a knife. Kick his ass! Kick his ass! He's he's straight out of like '66 Batman, with the with the boss going. Yep. And then so, they have their circling sequence. Yes. Conan figures out that any time there is a bit of metal on the other side of him where he is standing between the metal and the zombie, he can be death-rayed. Yep. So once and again, he, he basically ends the fight by realizing the weakness. It's a boss fight. It's not a straight-up fight. It's a boss fight. And the only time in the story Conan takes any significant damage. Right. True that. I mean, yeah, he took a little bit, a couple hit points worth of damage, Falling down the stairs, fighting with Olmec, but this is the only time he ever he gets hit hard, and he's you know he basically he dodges and takes half damage. It takes a lich. Right. But Conan throws his dagger at the same time and buries it up to the hilt in its chest. Oh, thank Crom. He and brought Howard, a knife to a gunfight, and he won. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Love it. <laughs> he brought a knife. He brought a knife to a laser fight and won. Yeah. Yeah. And hell, Howard even says that he threw it. He threw the knife so hard the hilt was quivering. So it was like. <laughs> then you have Tasala decides to double cross Conan because that's what you do. And this is where Valeria gets her comeuppance. Suddenly, Valeria! Well, and just like when Conan split the guy that was going to kill Valeria in the first battle, mm -hmm. Valeria splits Tassala, who is going to kill Conan in the final battle. She doesn't split him, she drives no, the dagger through her back so far that it came out her front. Yes. Yeah, well, holy shit, man. So, a yeah. kill is a kill. A kill, kill is a kill. Yes. Now, it's, it's parallels, man. Now, that, and there basically is your ending, and we have the scene, you know, Kasala's body falls down, there's Valeria, and suddenly there's probably wind in this chamber, 
Nobody is left alive. Nobody's left alive except for the two of them. You know, the wind blows her hair. The camera pans to Conan. The wind is blowing his hair in the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, Conan. Yes. They're both like, fuck this place. I don't care about any treasure. Let's just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah, he and, says, this is all probably cursed anyway, so let's get out of here. It's all cursed anyway. There's more treasure in the world. Let's go get some of it. And the, the two of them ride off happily into the sunset, and there lies the final Conan story. Yes, the next time you see Conan will be in a cheapest pastiche. Right. And and I think that, and Howard, Howard wrote it that way. He's like, Conan, you know, he gets the girl, and they go off into the sunset, sunrise together. Because there's some now a couple of things I was noticing reading reading the the thing that the influence the story seems to have over from dusk till dawn. Yeah. Um, uh, the main action of the story mm-hmm. actually takes place from dusk till dawn. Right. Um, there's a, a catacomb kind of. Yeah. Well, an sort of. Space. Vampire there's queen. An, there's an, an ancient temple. Mm-hmm. There's an Elric story. Um, called Three Brothers in Darkness, or Three Kings in Darkness, Mm -hmm. which is very reminiscent of this story as well. A lot of the same elements. Right. Um, The Bioshock, the first Bioshock game, you come in and, you know, you come in and it's a sealed city. Right. That's, you know, technologically advanced, but also kind of a throwback to this weird architecture that you know you don't really recognize as being like any part of any city. Right. Two factions have been at war with each other. Mm-hmm. Now, Kim, you had said earlier um, that a lot of what was written. I don't. You didn't say hokey, but a, a lot of sword and sorcery comes from this story and other Conan stories, and and it makes these stories seem almost cliche, but these are actually the origins of the cliches. Right. 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 And that Power was one of the things that struck me as I was reading it, is I recognize a lot of these themes in pretty much everything that's ever been written since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, Indiana Jones, yeah, almost like scene for scene in some ways, you know? And yeah, very, very Temple of Doomish. This this story. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, doom. Howard Howard codified a lot of the tropes that that are common in fantasy, uh, heroic fiction, this sort of thing. I mean, he's sorcery. Was the first. So. Right. Yep. And yeah. and also you know it bears it bears mentioning that a lot of this stuff Howard wrote when he was in his teens and twenties because he was he he committed suicide when he was thirty. Yeah. So he was a very young man. Yeah, this was written when he was 29, 28, 29. One of the things that I read um, the article at the end of this book, the uh, Hyborian Genesis Part Mm 3, which is a really cool essay. One of the things they talk about is uh, how Howard's relationship with Novaline Price, which was his girlfriend at the time, on again, off again, um, how that affected the writing of this story. Um, not only was he 
telling her this is going to be the most salacious story I've ever written with lesbianism and sex and views and blah, blah, blah. Oh, he was so proud of the lesbianism in this story that he, he had wrote to, to Lovecraft. Right. He wrote to Lovecraft to brag about the lesbianism. And you know, Lovecraft doesn't give a shit about that. <laughs> so, apparently, right after he was putting together this story, Novaline no, Price decides to have an affair with uh, Howard's best friend, Tevis Clyde Smith. Howard finds out like the day before Smith and he are going on a vacation, like a week-long excursion into like New Mexico and shit. Right. So he's got to like go on vacation with his buddy who's shtipping his girl. Couple that with the fact that his mother is dying. Weird Tales owes him a lot of money. Weird Tales owes him a lot of money. His mother did not like Price. And Howard was, for all of his bluster and manliness on the page, Howard was a bit of a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. Remember, he committed suicide. He blew his brains out in a parked car um, when he found out that his mother was just going to die. I mean, he kind of knew it, but when it became the final, she's got, like, X amount of time to live, bam. He killed himself. But and a lot of it looks like a lot of the dynamics between Price, Smith, him, his mother played out in this story. Where his mother was the uh um shit. Tessella character. Price was obviously Valeria. It would be Conan. And Smith gets to be Olmec. So I think that that colored a bunch of it. The other thing that was his theme that he had played with it before, his normal down, downfall of civilization story would be how the barbarians took him down, like with Rome. Mm -hmm. how the fall of Rome was because they overstretched themselves, barbarians came in, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of his tales read like that. This one was, he wanted to have it, like, what would happen to a civilization that was past its prime, that was decaying, what would be its natural death? So he, he made it so it was isolated, so they wouldn't be invaded by barbarians. But they kind of were. They, they were the barbarians that invaded and, and became, well, I think Conan and Valeria hastened it and were observers in it. But what was going to happen was going to happen no matter what. Right. Eventually, eventually they, they would have all died out because they weren't having children. They weren't having children, right. and all they did was kill each other. Right. I mean, the goal was to drive a red nail into a post. Yeah. Eventually, they they were going to – one side was going to wipe out the other, and the other side was either going to faction off and, and fight each other or right. – they were just going to die out from old age because there are no future generations. Right. Well, even that, I think um, Tessella would have just sucked them all dry. Yeah, she probably yeah. would have been the only survivor. And but even then, eventually, eventually she would have 
yeah, she would have eventually wasted away with no source of food. Right. For him um, to go out of this building but, but to the real world. But he set it up so that their city was isolated physically by mm-hmm. being completely walled in in the middle of a plain protected by a forest with dragons. Right. Um, and then he, he set it up where they were isolated culturally because they didn't cultivate fields. That was very plainly pointed out. Right. They raised no livestock. They raised no livestock. I mean, what they ate was a fruit that got its nutrition from the air. It was like a magical fruit. Yeah, like an air fern type of thing. Yeah. So they, they could have been a self-sufficient society with, like, at their pinnacle of art, because what else did they have to do? Mm-hmm. Would be to create, but because they were civilized, they they went into decay. Right. So, in other words, they were objectivists. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the eventual fate of objectivism. <laughs> thereby, thereby linking it even more directly to Bioshock. There you go. Hmm. Um, yeah, and you get this this theme of, of Conan, you know, that that the what drives culture is not civilization; it's the that wild spirit of you know the freedom. And and you know that's what Conan is. He's he's freedom, right? Incarnate, he can, right? He can do whatever he wants. Go he goes, he wants. goes wherever he yeah. wants. Does whatever he wants. He was a Cossack. He was a, a reaver. He was a pirate. A pirate. A buccaneer. The only thing he wasn't was king. But yes, we know he was king eventually. Right. And and that is you know the barbarian spirit is is what Howard thought you know kept life going because right. that is in a lot of ways the creative impulse that you know he's he's, he's at one with nature and life and the way things are and he's, you know he's half a rush song he's half a rush song <laughs> and yeah I mean that's 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 what he does you know he's the guy who he's the animal of sorts he's that really he's that 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 line between animal, which that's the picks for, for Howard, and the civilized man of Iboria. Conan and the Sumerians themselves are that, that middle ground between just absolute wildness and the decadence of civilization. But Conan even more so because really... He doesn't need anybody. No. He just needs himself. And that is it. Uh, sort of, yeah, but he also he also needs, you know, man to have you know, all men to have bloodlust because that's that's how he makes his money. You know. Men value money, they value you know, power and he eats off of the desires of civilization. He participates in their wars. He raids their hordes of wealth. 
Right, but he doesn't do it because that isn't the objection. It's to get uh, objective. His objective is to get paid for it. Right. I mean, he doesn't. He's loyal as long as you're footing the bill for him to be loyal. Right. In other words, he's, he's a capitalist. He's a capitalist. He oh, takes advantage of people's wants and desires. He's most definitely. He's most definitely a mercenary. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, but a lot in. In a lot of cases, too, his his mercenary, his capitalist side, gets subverted simply by you know this is fucked up. Well, in circumstance. In circumstance, like this so story. He's for got example, that sense. This story, for example, he's and he he does it for money. You know, he gets hired by the residents of the city for money, but he never gets paid. And by the time he's done with the whole thing, he's like, fuck your pay. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even want your money. You know, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave Chappelle. All right, so that, that wraps up our discussion of Conan, Robert E. Howard, and various other sorted topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we will be looking at Balagun Ojitade's Beneath the Shining Jewel. Yes, sir. Some sword and soul from the current era. Um, it's a novella-length story. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I'd say it's a novel. I think we said it was a little bit longer than the Bellato Black Tom. Yeah. yeah. So, so roundabout, novellish, very, very short novel. Uh, we'll be talking about that next Saturday. Uh, Monday night, uh, we will be. I think time to is... harvest. Oh really? I thought Nick was. Oh off. no, no, we're not Nick's off. That's right. Um, so we'll be doing dungeon crawl, right? Um, actually, I found I we're, we're restarting Microlite. I found an adventure specifically for Microlite. So. Oh right on. That actually has a plot and not can, just. Can we, can we use the same characters? Absolutely. Right on. I'm down then. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing that. In fact, I'll be broadcasting that from the ocean. I hear. Yeah, I'm on vacation next week, but uh, I'll be I'll be here to entertain you, both Monday and on Saturday. Uh, until then, uh, are there is there going to be Friday Fun Guy next week? Jim, you know? Yes, we're planning on it. Okay. So Monday we'll be doing some Microlite uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Microlite Fantasy. Um, Friday, Friday Fungi. Saturday we'll be talking Beneath the Shining Jewel. Oh. Until then, say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Thews! Thews. <laughs>